Missives from the World of Brass Chapter 8 A Bouquet of Clues November 28, 1886 Telegram from Lady Madeleine Brass to the Telegraph Office on the Rue d'Italier, Paris Addressed to Mr. Elliot Fortinbras, poet of no fixed abode Husband, return home, your assistance required Reply sent on November 28th 1886. Reverse charges. Wife, last message left out crucial details. Level of stakes involved, for example. Life and death. Antidote required or paint swatches for the study. Please elaborate. We are of a financial class that can afford an adequate vocabulary, even at a penny a word. Yours sincerely, Elliot Fortinbras, poet. Reply sent two hours later. Require mailing address. Reply sent three hours later. Reverse charges. In care of this telegraph office. I shall check here again tomorrow afternoon. Look forward to your missive. Yours sincerely, Elliot Fortinbras, poet of no fixed abode. Letter sent November 29th to the telegraph office. November 29th. Dear husband. When I agreed to your spending a month as part of some unspecified espionage work in deep cover among the Bohemians, poets, and other disreputables of Paris, we also agreed on strict parameters, including my being able to contact and, if necessary, recall you at any given time. This is that time. There is an important case involving Sir Pemberley, the Tory Minister of Finance. I identify him as such as you are lamentably disinterested in politics. A criminal gang broke into his stately home two nights ago and not only stole stocks, bonds and his wife's jewellery, but threatened to kill the pair of them in their own bed. Pemberley's now refusing to leave his house and come to London with a rather important vote coming up. Whilst I realise that this is only day five of your foray into whatever absinthe bars, cafes and flesh pots the garlic Gamora has to offer, you probably learned as much as you need to know about the French literary scene and are ready to return to meaningful work. Such work awaits you at Pemberley Hall in Somerset, so attend to it. Your loving wife, Madeline. My dearest Madeline, the tone of your recent letter was at times woundingly brusque. As to my early return, five days I could spend five years chatting and socialising with these artists, especially the poets Baudelaire, Gautier, and this young Rambeau who's renounced poetry itself after practically breaking it open with raw force. The craft, the imagery, the density of thought, it gets to the very nature of language itself. I have sat at certain absinthe bars, taking notes, and did attend the Follies briefly one evening, but only as a reminder of how the French enjoy such flash and tease while still regarding under brooding brows the ineffable tragedy of life. C'est vrai, c'est vie. Now, you know I hate detective work, my love. Far too much fiddling about with evidence, timetables, and alibis. Get one of the children to do it. 
I'm intoxicated by a new love of poetry, and shall be returned and drunk with eloquence in three weeks, off to dine tonight at Café Momou. Your loving husband, Benjamin, a.k.a. Elliot Fortinbras, poet of no fixed abode. Letter hand-delivered to apartment 3, 138 Rue Saint-Jacques, November 30th. Husband, this letter should be arriving at your physical address, which you neglected to share with me roughly three hours after you picked up the last one from the telegraph office. Don't ask me how. You know my methods. If you are fortunate, you'll not have received this note, but will already be packed and off to Pemberley Hall. If instead you're lounging about your Parisian lodgings, enough! I'm tremendously busy with an important case and need all hands on deck. You can return to La Vie Bohème when you've completed your work. Now get to Somerset whilst I may still sign my notes to you as your affectionate and loving wife, Madeline. December 2nd. The dripping bore in Somerset. Dear wife, as per your instructions, I have left my miraculously well-insulated Parisian artist's garret and made the considerable journey to this very cold and rural place to interrogate someone who made it clear he didn't want to be interrogated. I arrived at Pemberley Hall, more of a manor, to be honest, this afternoon, and was told by the butler that my presence as an investigator was not required. Upon me raising something of a fuss, he brought down Sir Pemberley, who explained there'd been a misunderstanding, and they were sorry to have wasted my time. The threat of stealthy assassins and stolen jewellery had been a simple case of misidentification. A maid mistakenly left a study window open, and the wind, along with some forty plumbing, had caused some unexpected noises. His wife, who is of a nervous disposition and currently in bed rest, had imagined that the house had been invaded. Upon my request, he took me to the study and pointed to a painting that had been left askew, leading his maid to believe the safe behind it had been burgled. He then opened said safe and brought forth some of the jewellery inside. Gaudy stuff, quite honestly. He then replaced the pieces, thanked me, and asserted he'd be in London in time for the vote. So case closed. I'll be leaving bright and early tomorrow for Calais and the boat back to Paris. Give my love to the children. Your loving husband, Benjamin, a.k.a. Elliot Fortinbras, poet. Dear husband... As much as I know you dislike detective work, I also know you're not an idiot. So please stop acting as one. How could you possibly be pawned off with such a shabby excuse? You believe this is all the result of two ladies and their nervous disposition? Return to Pemberley Hall immediately and gain an interview, by force if necessary, with both the maid and her mistress, then report back to me. Sincerely, Madeline, a.k.a. your current wife. Dear Madeline, you really must work on imbuing your correspondence with more of your natural charm and warmth, my love. Fortunately for you, our decades of deep devotion has allowed me to see past your unpleasant invective 
and detect nothing more than fleeting impatience and irritation. A man less familiar with your eccentricities might not be so understanding. I followed through on your suggestion this afternoon, wiring Sir Pembley an anonymous message to meet him in town on a matter of vital importance. I then returned to the hall. I really do think it's a manner and obtained interviews with both the maid and Lady Pemberley. The maid had seen the study on the night in question and told me that not only was a window open, but so were the safes. And she affirms that both were empty. Both, I asked. She showed me that in addition to the safe Pemberley had indicated, there was a second safe hidden behind a shelf of books. When she entered, this also had been exposed and opened. I then spoke to Lady Pemberley, who it turns out was less indisposed during my first visit than ignorant of its very occurrence. When I introduced myself as your agent, she asked if there had been any leads on finding her jewellery. And when I repeated her husband had said they hadn't been stolen, she refuted his claim with some vehemence. She said the jewels I'd been shown were no doubt a collection of her paste replicas currently missing from her boudoir. She then related to me the following. Four nights previous, she and her husband had been awakened by a masked swordswoman standing in their bedroom. The intruder explained that their valuables were being robbed at that very moment, and making any noise at all would be fatal. After what Lady Pemberley described as an excruciating period, seemingly relished by their captor, the villain announced that her gang had signaled they had departed safely, so she would follow. Soon I will steal the last thing of value you have left, she announced, before vanishing into the night. They were too petrified to make a noise till morning when the servants came to check on them. She did mention the swordswoman had a foreign accent, though she was unable to place it. Well, clearly this interview casts a different light on things. Though, blessed if I know what, I shall return to the hearth of the dripping boar's common room. My own chamber is far too cold to sit in alone, and await your answer, your loving husband, Benjamin. Dear husband, you have brought me a gift greater than roses or chocolates, clues, and some requiring lateral thinking. Thank you. Well, well. Our mystery is less about missing jewellery and more about why Sir Pemberley, having first contacted the authorities about loss of property and near loss of life, would then retract his story. Two safes, you say, and both open. Then not only jewellery, stocks and bonds were stolen. Whatever else was taken is something Sir Pemberley very much wants to keep secret. I must know what that is. Give me every detail you can about the second safe, its size, where it was in the room, and how well it was concealed. Since I'm sending this with the evening post, I suppose you won't be able to get to it until tomorrow morning. Still, send a report as soon as you can. Love, Madeline. Dear wife, since you enjoyed my small bouquet of clues so much, allow me to offer up something truly special, the ledger accompanying this letter. After several fortifying beverages in the common area, I ascended to the arctic regions of my room, where, sitting on the bed, was this handsome tome and the accompanying note for Lady Brass, from the Angel of Blood. 
Now, there's a nom de criminalité with some style, I must say. I looked through the ledger a bit, and it seems to be property transactions in the city. I'll admit to recognizing some of the names involved, the antiquarian, the mudlock, and Vincent Law being among them. When that swordswoman said she would take the last thing Pemberley had of value, I suspect she didn't mean his life, but his reputation, for I don't think it will survive these revelations. I do hope, dear wife, that with this item delivered unto you, I might be allowed to return to the warm Parisian garret of Eliot Fortinbras' poet, or at least return to our own significantly more pleasant and centrally heated abode. Your loving, if near-frozen husband, Benjamin. Dearest husband, you truly do know the way to my heart. This ledger is precisely what I've been looking for. By all means, return to your Parisian life of hedonism, my dear. In fact, I have some inquiries I need you to make whilst there. When you have completed your holiday, hurry home. Christmas is coming quickly, and though I find little spiritual value in it, I do insist that the best people to spend the Yuletide season with are one's family. A Bouquet of Clues was performed by Kate Crane as Lady Brass with Charles Leggett as Lord Brass. It was written and directed by John Longenbaugh with original music by Bruce Monroe and edited by Catherine Grant Sutty. To listen to more of The Adventures of Brass, find us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts and please do consider posting a review. It is such a pleasure to hear from our listeners.